So being a mom means feeling like you've failed at something at least once a day. Maybe more. Maybe more. Sometimes it's other people who want to tell you that you failed at something, that you're not doing something correctly, or that you're ruining your kids forever. I distinctly remember mixing my first kid a bottle of formula at a coffee shop in San Francisco. He was not little. He was not like a baby baby. He was probably a little older than one years old. And just like for reference, he, he had teeth. Like he could chew a steak if he needed to. And so I was mixing up this powder, was drinking my coffee, and this woman leans over and says, I would have never given my baby that poison. That poison she was referring to was not my coffee, but was the formula that I was mixing up to feed him. I wanted to dissolve into a puddle of shame and misery right there, right there in that overpriced coffee shop that was serving like $12 avocado toast. I wanted to scream and yell and cry, but I also didn't have the words to respond to this. I mean, I, I don't, I hardly remember what I did next. It's, it's a total black hole. I think I just left. I think I just packed up my, my powder and my, my baby and I, I left there uh, because what do you do in the face of that kind of judgment? I mean, since then, I mean, since the beginning of all of this, I've had very confusing and mixed feelings about everything that I do as a mom. I'm always worried that I'm doing something wrong. But this, this moment, this seemed like confirmation that I was, that I was doing it wrong. Looking back, I now know that that woman probably had her own stuff going on. It probably wasn't me. It really wasn't. And I've been judged plenty in, in the years since, sometimes by my husband. He was not right. He's not right. Most of us have. Most of us have experienced mom shame. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Mom shame. We're going to talk about why it happens, how we deal with it, whether or not social media makes it so much worse. And joining me, I have the one expert who helped me get over a lot of my own mom shame and guilt. Today, we're talking to none other than Emily Oster. Emily is a professor of economics at Brown University. And she's the author of three incredible books that you should definitely get for any new parent in your life, Expecting Better, Crib Sheet, and The Family Firm. Her website and podcast, both called Parent Data, are guides for parents that give you numbers and decision-making tools to just feel more empowered about the decisions you make as a parent, all of which are hard. They are. Now, I'm, here's a warning before I start this interview. I'm a weirdo fangirl of Emily Oster. And it totally comes off that way. But I'm just, you know what? I feel no shame. No shame here. No shame anymore, my friends. You are the human being who made me feel less mom shame over the raising of my now three children. That makes me so happy. I, I was an economics major in undergrad at Penn which, you know, makes me completely unqualified to do anything with economics. But I just yeah. love the very rational and reasonable, reasonable approach that you take to all parenting data, which can be a disaster dumpster fire of misery for new parents to wade through. So 
Again, that's a massive thing. Just just my big thank you at the top of this episode. Well, that is so nice. And it's such a privilege to get to do this. And I feel incredibly lucky to find myself here. So yay. <laughs> thank yay. you. And 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 oh, yay, yay for yay. I mean, also, I started out reading you when when you wrote your first book. But now with social media and how we consume content, I think it's pretty awesome that this information gets to be disseminated in so much, so many different ways to reach people where they're at. Yeah, it's been really interesting to think about all those different ways because, you know, I came into this with writing books and writing books has a particular cadence and a particular way that people consume them. But in the last few years, I've between the newsletter and podcasts and Instagram, you get to figure out like what are other ways that you can put out the same information or variants on the information and what's the best way to communicate in these different mediums. And that's interesting and fun. And I think you're right, reaches different, in some ways, quite different audiences or can reach bigger, different audiences. Totally, totally. I, I do think that it, it just finds people where they're at when they're when they're at a certain place. We can't all pick up a book, especially when you're you know, breastfeeding a newborn for the first time. So you've done you've done really beautifully navigating this weird content world that we now live in. It's it's a weird place, the content creation world. It is so strange. But thank God, because if it weren't, I wouldn't have a podcast to talk about it. So there you go. Yeah. So we all benefit. Um, so now that I've fangirled completely and weirdly, and I don't think I've fangirled that hard since I met Meryl Streep. <laughs> at one of the Mamma Mia premieres many, many moons ago when I was much, sounds, much more fun. She's so cool, though, right? She's I mean, just, uh, just the coolest. Just, I mean, yeah, yeah. So you, it's you and Meryl Streep. I just Me want you to Meryl. know that. Okay. Me and Meryl. Well, that is, yeah. that is high, that is high praise. Right? <laughs> I'll bet you Meryl would feel the same way. I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just say that. You know, let's, let's just imagine let's, that. Let's, let's imagine just imagine that. that. That's a nice okay. thing. Um, but I do, so today I want to talk about mom shame and your thoughts on mom shame if if there's any data or research that we can mine on mom shame um and why you think it is so prevalent for for moms to be shamed on social media let's start with what kinds of things do you see moms being shamed for the most in the in the media that you look at i think that the amount of shame is pretty proportional to how important the decision feels and how hard it is. So I think the places you see the most shame, particularly when we're talking about moms of little kids, are things like sleep mm -hmm. and how you feed your kid. And as you get bigger kids, you also get how you feed your kid and you get behavior. And these are all kind of characteristics or or decisions or approaches that the choices you make about them are going to really, really determine how your life looks. And some of those choices are going to be very hard to implement. I mean, all choices are hard to implement, but mm -hmm. some some things are something where it just really takes a lot to follow through on something. And those are the places where I think we tend to shame people when they make different choices. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that there's two kind of elements of, of mom, mom shame. There's the, 
shame that we get from other people. And then there's the shame we feel ourselves, which is more more the guilt. Did I make the right choice? Because when there's so many choices, it's so hard to figure out. It, and it's basically impossible. So I think those are those are sort of two. I like that separation. I think it's complicated sometimes to ask the shame we put on ourselves or the guilt piece, how much of that is because of the expectations or because of things we hear elsewhere. If we lived in a vacuum where no one ever expressed a preference about or a feeling about what we're doing, would we be able to just choose the thing that felt right? I'm not I'm not sure. But in the world that we live in, there is absolutely the like external shame and then the internal guilt, shame, guilt. Oh my God. I would love I'm so curious about that vacuum. I'm so curious if like if it were possible, right? In a magical experimental world. Yeah. Do you think about this sometimes? You're like, what if I could run yes. this experiment that is completely impossible? I always think about running experiments that are completely impossible. <laughs> it's just like, what if I had a virtual world where I could like manipulate my <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in a world where from the moment that you become a mother, find out that that a baby is coming. There's no judgment. For various reasons, that's impossible. But but one reason is, I think, because having a baby is so new the first time mm-hmm. you do it, and there are so many, it's so, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember when you first have your kid and then you go home with them, she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they let me leave with this. You know, like when Why you leave with a puppy, you have to fill out all leave. these forms. Yes. Like when you get a puppy, you have to fill out all the forms, say you're going to do all this other baby. They're just like. Did you get your car seat installed right? Okay, bye. And it's, and so inevitably, people will have questions that they will ask to others who have been mm-hmm. there before. And I think it's impossible to imagine a world in which we don't ask those questions. And once you're asking the question, then something's going to come back, a set of expectations, a set of beliefs from someone, a set of advice from someone about this is the way I did it or this is what worked for me. And I think that sets, a, that sets expectations. The that's unavoidable. The piece we can avoid, both when we give this advice and when we take the advice, is the assumption that what somebody else did is going to be the right thing for me or what I did is going to be the right thing for someone else. Because when we get into those feelings, that's where I think we get much more in the direction of feeling like we did it wrong or other people are doing it wrong or, and those are the, the doing it wrong is the is the underlying you know, shame spiral. Right, exactly. And I, I, I really enjoy your messaging of you know, the, the best way for you is probably the best way to, to do it. What ends up working for your family, for your family firm, for your family unit, um, you know, given all the information we have, um, is probably good for you. And yes, and I think that message is really important, which is why I say it in all of these different mediums that we try to try to give it out. But what is very challenging about implementing that is that I can evaluate what feels like it's the right choice for me, mm-hmm. bef- you know, ex ante, like before I make the choice. Mm-hmm. But I can never know if it was the right choice, right? I'll never know if things would have gone better if I made a different choice or if I sleep trained in a different way or if I breastfed more or less, I'm never going to know that. And so we're, we're kind of never going to find out if we were right. And I think that's hard. I mean, it's like, in some ways it's liberating, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
you're never going to know if you did it wrong, really. Uh, right, but, but then you're always going to wonder. You know, my kid got an 80 on his math test. Is that because? Because you didn't sleep train? Something I did. Yeah. Because I didn't yeah. sleep train. I let her wear mittens. Like, who knows? You know, who knows? it's probably yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely. Well, and so often it's definitely usually something that the mom did, that the, a choice that the mom made um, instead of instead of both parents. Because I think that moms get this shame much, very unequally to dads. Yes, mom gets moms get more shame and they get less credit, right? If you sort of think about the starkest example for me is when you fly with a child and when mom flies alone with a baby versus dad flying alone with a baby and mom flying alone with a baby, people are like, why is your baby crying? You know, well, you just like I'm trying to work. And dad flying alone with a baby, people are like, oh, my gosh, what an amazing dad being alone. It's so nice you of you okay? to take care of your baby. Yeah. My husband Are did okay? it. Do you need help? First, yeah. yeah. He did. He did, He flew for the first time alone with all. No, he only had two of them. He had two. The other one, the other one wasn't, wasn't here yet. Um, people kept bringing him shit. They just kept like, they, they'd buy him coffee. Oh un, unasked for. Unasked for. They just saw him, a dad, with two, with two walking children. Children who can walk. They're like, I, I, thought, I thought you might need a coffee. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the airline won't even let me get on in group two. I still have to wait for group six no. with two like, Well, your kid looks like they could they could get on. The thing is, you know, group yeah. two is reserved for the diamond. Yeah, platinum. and you're not you're not diamond. Star you're flyers, not diamond. you're no. you're so, more of a, mm-hmm. a bronze mm-hmm. at best. At best. Yeah. At best. <laughs> at best. Exactly. Please check your carry on because we won't be able to fit it in the overhead bin. Thank you. Hundred percent. No. We're running and out also of no space. Food. No, in group no six. snacks for you in the bathroom. And the bathroom's broken. Yeah, it's just it's done. It's good luck. Good luck. And your baby's annoying. Enjoy. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for flying the friendly skies. Time for a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about whether or not social media has made this mom shame and mom guilt even worse. And we are back with Emily Oster, economist, podcaster, best-selling author. Please pick up all of her books and listen to her podcast, Parent Data. Now, we've spent the beginning of this episode defining and talking about mom shame. What I want to know is whether or not social media has made it worse. I, I feel very mixed about the impacts of social media on, you know, particularly new moms, because I think it's, it can be a place of tremendous connection. And tremendous feeling of like the things that are hard I'm going through and someone's there to say like, hey, uh, this was also hard for me or like I had a tough, mm-hmm. I had a tough day or not, you know, the holiday season is a just a disaster and like also for me, it's a, you know, so I think there's a sense of connection there that's really valuable and, and it's a connection that's available right there in the moment um, when you're feeling that you have to hide in the bathroom. There are other mm-hmm. people hiding in the bathroom. So I think we're that's all, nice. We're on all the, in the bathroom together. We're all in the bathroom pretending yeah. to poop. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, really pooping. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but I think Both. on the flip side, there is a curated aspect of some of the parenting advice on social media, uh, which can lead to shame. And certainly mm-hmm. there are extreme forms of this. You know, there was a few weeks ago, everyone was sending me this reel where people, where someone said, if you said, this is a quote, 
when you know what happens when you drop your child off at daycare? They think you died. No, 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 no. It went on. There was more in the quote, but it wasn't like, just kidding. You know, it was like, it went on from there to like more things. And and people were like, oh my God, my baby thinks they died. You know, it's like, first of all, how would you even know that? But like, let's put aside, you know, and I sort of did some stuff about that. But mm-hmm. that that kind of thing, which comes across, I think can really get into our, get into our head. Um, and it's, it, yeah. And I, yeah. so I think there's, there's a, there are good and bad things about this. <laughs> Much like parenting, Maybe there are good and bad things, things. about parenting. Good and bad things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I love that you said that because I think the best takeaway that I've had in the six years that I've been both, I mean, both on social media, like I wasn't really on Instagram before like six or seven years ago, and also been having small people in my house, is that the best thing we can do is to curate our feed to not feel like shit. There's awesome people out there giving good, yeah. legitimate advice, but also other moms they're just like i'm in the shit too and i see your shit and we're all in it yeah. together and like yes yeah that's and amazing i think you have to find the way to make it work for you or think you know what sometimes you need a break and i think there's a there's a moment of saying like sometimes you need a break from social media and i think that's a potentially it's good for us to sometimes take take a little yes. space if we just if take, we take a breather take a breather if we need it uh i've now I have two tangents to ask. Because we brought up the kid you're, thinks you're dead at daycare, is there any proof behind this? Is there any research no. that says your kid thinks you're dead? No. First of all, I don't know how you would evaluate that. Actually, it's a baby. And it was like, would you ask them? Um, but then I, in sort of in response to this, I spent a bunch of time writing uh, about, like, what do we actually know about the impacts of daycare? And they are not, certainly not in the space of your baby thinks that you're dead. Uh, and in fact, any impacts in any direction, some of which are a little positive, some of which are a little negative, tend to be very, just very small. Right. Right. Yeah. But as we know, and one of the things about social media is that the extremes do get you, right? Like the, yeah. that is an Cliff. extreme emotional pull right there. I'm going to ask my toddler when she gets home, actually, what she thinks. I t- when I, I she's going to be like, what? I so I one of the things that's so interesting about so I've much of many of the people I speak to and write about and, and interact with in social media have little kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, like babies too, just because of the topics and and everything. Yeah. But my own kids are are pretty big. So my own kids are eight and twelve, and my daughter, my older one, is a daughter, and she's and she's twelve. And so she and I talked about this, and there is something so refreshing that I almost wish I don't put my kids on social media, but mm-hmm. I almost wish for people. That just when I told her this, she was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Basically, just like she was just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, what are you even talking about? And then this this reel went on to talk about how even if your kid seems fine, like, how do you know that when they're 60, they won't be experiencing the negative oh, no. effects of daycare? And she just like, I can see why if you were a new parent dropping your six week old off and you're like, oh, my gosh, now, like when they're 60, they may resent me. But my 12-year-old thought that was the funniest idea. And then she kept reminding me. She'd be like, how do you know that when I'm 60, like, you're not going to have messed me up? Like, maybe you haven't found out about it yet. And it was just there was something in that of just I wanted to show people, like, there will be a, like, you're so, this you're so in it now. And all of these things are pulling on the hormones and the anxieties and the tiredness. 
And there's going to be a point at which you can show this to your kid and they're going to be like, that's ridiculous. That's like, ridiculous. Why are you following? Like, I hope you're not following this person. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, and you know what? When I'm 60, you have no idea what I'm going to hate you for and resent you right. for. There's so many things that There's you can so mess up There's so many things later. that I'm keeping so track of right now. For exactly. resentment. I think my four-year-old does have a list. She really does. She's just, she's keeping track. She's like, ooh, I can't wait for therapy to just talk about all the ways you fucked me up. Oh, God bless her. She's so cute. Uh, it is It is funny, though, the way that you change from being a first-time mom to then a mom of multiple kids or a mom of just older kids. Like, when it's just like that baby phase of terror is done. Because, yeah, the first time that I left my my now six-year-old with with the babysitter, I cried. And we went to a Tom Petty concert. Cried my huh. eyes out. Uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's happening to him? And does he, like, is he terrified with this stranger? No, yeah. no, no, he wasn't. Was um, fine. And, and, you know, like made him all of this like ridiculous organic food. I had that stupid organic food steamer that made organic oh, like baby this, food. Yeah, the, the, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Um, everybody has that for the first everybody one. Everybody has that with the first one. Um, and so I made him all, and now he's the pickiest eater of all time. But then I look at our third baby mm. who just turned one and she's crawling around the floor. We feed her like a dog. We feed her like we would feed the family dog. She's crawling around, and I'm like, "Oh, would yeah. you want this piece of chicken from my from my plate?" Okay, here you. She's hard. Yeah. She's hardly even in a high chair, and I think she's the best of them. She's awesome. She's great. Eats everything. Seems so happy. So, yeah. Well, it just the, but the fear is real. Real. The terror is real. Yeah, and it's so widely it's so widely shared, and it's so difficult to explain ex ante, and also to avoid. I think no matter how much you could think, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to absorb not to think about this or not to like, it's just you, you will never care about something. It's not that you won't care about your later kids as much, but like the, you will never want to get something right as much as in those first like days and weeks with your kid and never be so stymied by the fact that there is no way to get it right and no. no whether the window is open two inches or one inch that's not why they slept a little extra like nothing is organized everything is chaos but you just want it to work and be perfect and it's so hard it's so hard it's just so hard is the thing it's like that's just that would, yeah that would be a, another alternative title for this podcast it's just so hard we see it's you. just so hard we do yeah yeah you're here do you have, I mean, since you have been watching this, you know, for a while now, do you have any thoughts on thoughts on why moms do often shame one another, why they choose to judge? I mean, is it because we're all kind of self-conscious about our own parenting? What are your thoughts on that? I think it comes from, in some ways, quite a good place, which is mm -hmm. that we care about our kids. And we right. want our choices to be right. And I think we want them to be so right that they're right for everybody. And that's where we hit the wall of if somebody has made a different choice, I almost see it as a judgment on my own choice, mm -hmm. which then prompts that I want to judge it back. So if I have been breastfeeding for a year and making a lot of sacrifices to make that work, which you do because that's hard. 
And then someone says, you know, well, I didn't do this because I don't think it's important or I didn't want to or whatever, just I didn't do this. It's very easy to jump to like, well, of course it's very important. And I know it must be very important because I've spent so much time I've been pumping in my office, you know, for two hours a day, every day for nine months. Like, is it better be, it better be important. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say, like, I did that because like that was what worked for me and I chose to do it. And even though, even if that's a, a perfectly reasonable thing to say and, and, you know, and, and is the correct answer. So I do think it comes from the wanting to be, wanting our choices to be the, the best choices. And then it moves into the judgment space. Right, right. And I also wonder if it's because so much of the labor is unseen and all of the labor that goes into that breastfeeding, right? It's completely unacknowledged, completely unseen, completely uncongratulated. And so if you see someone not putting in that labor, it it stings. It's, you know, and you want to, you need to, you need to get that out somehow. Yeah, I think that's right. I also think as people, we like to be uh, we like to be in tribes. We like to be in mm-hmm. identified groups. Uh, and once you're in a group, there's an in-group, out-group aspect of this. And so when I'm in the group, then there's the out-group. And I want to kind of indicate my in-groupness by saying things to the out-group. I also think sometimes it just comes out like a that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not sure all of this is as as carefully thought out as would be suggested by the way that I'm talking about it. You know, sometimes I think it's just someone says, well, you know, I chose I chose to sleep during my kid. And what comes out is like, oh, my God, I could never listen to my kid cry. Like, how could you possibly do that? Even though really what if in your quieter moment, what you meant to say is, oh, like, and how do you feel about politics? You know, like what you meant is to just be like that interesting choice. Like, let's talk about something less fraught, like the election. Um, and but it just kind of comes out because this stuff is so much in our heads and we're thinking about it all the time. And there's so many emotions around it. There's just so much. It's just it's heavy. It's really heavy is the thing. Yeah. Uh, it's heavy. Is there any is there any research or data on whether social media is good or bad for for new moms? So actually, most of the research on on social media is focused on kids. Um, I know, you know ask, I know, like, which this, I think this... is so interesting. I mean, yes, very, very, very important. I think about it all the time. But then I'm I am also so curious about the impact on yeah. us, the people raising those children. So there have been a few sort of little experiments where they're like, have people quit Facebook, you know, and they'll like incentivize them not to check Facebook for a while. And yeah, usually that shows some short term positive impact. So Mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of it's not about new moms. It's not um, it's not. Especially large scale, and it's really only about Facebook. So I'm not sure we have the, the data that one would want. Interestingly, mm-hmm. I sense that if we had better data about adolescents, uh, particularly about girls, about like, you know, teen girls, probably it's very similar. Like, I think that mm-hmm. the experience of kind of puberty and the experience of new parenthood both have they they have a lot of similarities. And I suspect the ways that people are using social media for both good and bad also overlap a lot, that there's both the sense of connection and the sense of comparison, and one is probably good and one is not good, and it's likely that it varies across people. I would say that's mm-hmm. the most compelling result from the 
social media evidence on kids is that some kids are negatively affected by this and some kids are sort of either positively or neutral. And my guess is the same is true for new moms, that for some people this is great or it's fine. And for some people it's pretty damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I like that comparison, too, because I think about it all the time, how puberty and matrescence are just very similar times. Bodies doing weird life. stuff. Body, Fluid, brain. New fluids. Mm-hmm. Brains all the hormones. I mean, it's like the same. The same. But like, you know, a lot of people go through like perimenopause around the same time mm-hmm. that their kids, particularly with the, the sort of later fertility, like you're doing perimenopause while your kids are doing puberty. And that's a that's a real mess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's going to be me. That's my future. Yeah. Looking forward yeah. to it. No, it's yeah. me. It's great. It's I would highly recommend it. Enjoy your time here. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, really. Yay. <laughs> I thought this part was bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and also, and I can see it too. I mean, as someone who just follows, you know, I fell into covering influencers. Uh, it was not something I was expecting to do. But as someone who covers this world, I can see the tribalism in the same way that I experienced that tribalism in middle school. Of, of girls trying to find their identity by linking up with certain other kinds of tribes. And it feels, it, this is the first time I've thought about it like that, but it feels so similar. And by pulling down, the, you know, pulling down people who are not in their, in their tribe, which is a characteristic of both social media and middle school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, are you constantly being in, inundated with things like what we talked about earlier with the your child is at daycare and thinks you're dead. I, are you just being sent that all day, every day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people send me that, which is, which is helpful, actually, because there is so much of that that mm-hmm. it's useful to know which things are really rising up for people. And so when we get to that was an example of a reel that I got, you know, 100, 200, like a billion times mm-hmm. uh, from but different people. But that's so people. interesting because I haven't seen that reel. <laughs> Like it's, oh, good. I, okay. That's yeah. Good. So it's, and just, it's like, I'm, why does it end up in your feed? I guess you're someone mm-hmm. who maybe you don't care if your kid thinks you're. <laughs> don't care. I'm like, you think yeah, I'm dead for eight hours? Cool. Yeah. I come back to life. Yeah. I'm here. I mean, it's interesting to ask, like, who, like, I wasn't fed that real directly either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I, I rely on people quite a lot to send me, you know, everybody sends me screen time, right? Anytime yeah. that there's a, like, screen mm-hmm. time is bad for your kid, I guess. So. There, there are some sort of pretty reliable panic headline things that will will come across the desk. Mm-hmm. You've made me feel a lot better about screen time, by the way. Yeah. So again, get another okay. Get, get another. Thanks for being my my Meryl Streep, Emily. So made me feel a lot better about the screen time. <laughs> just like Meryl, just she's, like Meryl would. Good on I mean, the I feel I just feel like just she would exactly. show up in overalls and sing to me, and yeah, feel. Feel good. Speaking, speaking of screen time, my kids, my kids' favorite movie is actually Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia in Greece. They love them some Meryl huh. and some singing nice. and some dancing and all of the grown-up themes go right over their head. And uh, yes, no, that's that's good. Yeah, I can see the grown-up themes there are like hidden enough that you could really enjoy it as a little kid. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, they, and they can put on a truly excellent revival of both. So again, this is this show is just really Meryl heavy today. <laughs> I'll go listen to listen to some Mama Mia to go feel better. Go watch Mama Mia, people. That'll make yeah, you just, happy. It, it will. The holidays are not easy for everyone. They can be very stressful. And if you just put on some Mama Mia and even some Mama Mia too, less Pierce Brosnan singing, which I think is important, uh, then yeah, you're gonna. You're, it's an immediate <laughs> mood booster. It really is. Um, 
my last question for you, and I like to ask, yeah. ask people this, is because you're a person who is now online probably more than you expected when you when you first started, you know, out as an economics professor. Yeah. How do you curate your stuff uh, to see things that you want to see? Or, or what do you really enjoy looking at on social media? Is there anything? So I do like two. So a lot of my social media is like you can you can tell that it's for work. Uh, like right. I'm following Sings. people who are, mm-hmm. who are for work. But in terms of like my own personal me- social media, like things I like to consume, um, there are a few things that my daughter and I like to watch together. She does not have social media but like at night they have like three different people that we will like watch their reels Mm -hmm. um and that's and so those guys always come to the top of my feed but it's like a random collection it's like ballerina farm Mm -hmm. this running comedian named laura green and then these guys called the dumb dads who have these like reels about being dads they're funny uh and then I do, I like, I'm like a big fan of professional running. So I follow like a tremendous number of professional runners. Oh. So that's a lot of my feed, which yeah. is like a kind of a weird no, like, it's not. sub hobby. But it is a place, it is an example of something where it like, for me, that's a really nice aspect of social media. It doesn't make me like, there's no comparison trap, like obviously. Right. Like totally. I'm not, I'm not competing as a professional runner, but it's just like mm-hmm. it's a it's a kind of weird niche thing where I know much more about these people than I would otherwise in a way that's like nice and fun. Yeah. And feels like there's a community there. I um, my husband and I do sprint triathlons together. We just did one on Sunday down in Key oh, West. Nice. Uh, which that's was awesome. awesome. Is that like th- is that like Three, it's a, like a 5K, a 5K or a 10K? It's, it's a 5K. 5K. Okay. Yeah, it's a 5K, an eight-mile eight mile bike, and usually about 800. a 500-meter swim. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Um, so it's good. Like, you feel you feel good. Yeah. It's very, it's also like, doable for us. Uh, but I, so I follow a lot of, a lot of people doing sprint triathlons, and I don't just feel part of a community, but I've gotten a lot of helpful advice, you know, such as putting the yeah. Vaseline inside my triathlon uh-huh. suit so that I don't chafe in unfortunate places and what do you have little things I like, like that. this squirrel do you have this squirrel nut butter that's for me that's yes. like the key yes that's I discovered that's the squirrel like, nut butter through uh, so yeah. good yeah exactly yeah because yeah, exactly. I get a lot of chafing problems so much chafing so much chafing it's and, bad yeah and it's bad and I it and does I also, weird, and then you get in the shower yeah that's like the worst when you yeah. get in the shower and then you're like Oh, I had up in agony. You're like, yeah. I didn't know. How did like how did I even chafe there? Like what's even yeah, what's even that? touching what is that? me? What is touching me there? Exactly. What is that? So yeah. So I think that we can find, you know, great joy in community in different pockets of social media. Um, totally. Yeah. In addition to all of all of all of the crazy, crazy ass dumpster fire crap that also makes us feel bad about ourselves. But I think it is such a it's such a that is such a lesson about like how do you curate. Because if you open your social media and what you see is like different sprint triathletes, like, you know, who you're interested in, who are like doing stuff or like, hey, here's like some useful advice about this or here's what yeah. I'm doing. Like, that's going to make, gonna sure make you, you feel good. That's all I wanted to know. Exactly. I'm like, just, I just want to make here's sure I don't to, like take yeah. salt tabs so you don't have GI mm-hmm. problems. Like, that's like interesting. It's useful. It's fun. It doesn't make you feel bad. Um, so I think there's a there's a lot of value in curation. Yeah. I agree. I agree. That is all that we have today. Those are my only questions for you. Will you tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast and all of your wonderful advice? Yeah, so you can, which I'm on Instagram, so you find me on Instagram as Prof. Emily Oster. Uh, and the podcast is called The Parent Data Podcast, and the website is parentdata.org. 
Yay. Thank you for doing this. This was a treat. Thank you. This was a treat. This was a treat. It was great. This interview brought me so much joy and made me feel much better about my choices. And you know what? If you're dropping your kid off at daycare right now as you're listening to this podcast, they know you're not dead. They do. Even if they're six weeks old, they don't think you're dead. Promise. You're a good mom. Just reminding you of that. You are. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. They really help. They do. I don't know why, but they do. People like reviews. Under the Influence is produced, edited, written, hosted, all of the things by me, Joe Piazza. And if you're still looking for a holiday present or a present for any time, pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance and leave a note to your, to your friends and relatives telling them that, that you pre-ordered something and they're going to be getting a nice, nice surprise come, come April. Because who doesn't like a surprise four months from now? Four months away. No, seriously, it's the best book I've ever written and you're going to love it so much. I can't wait for you to read it. Go have a great day. You deserve it.